I'm Tyler Hake, and you're listening to Next Story Up, a smart building services podcast by Schneider Electric. I'm excited to introduce Richard Batten, the Global Chief Sustainability Officer at JLL. Making a difference in the lives of people and the planet has always mattered to Richard, and it's why he was drawn to the field of real estate 35 years ago. In his current role, Richard is responsible for helping JLL create spaces, buildings, and cities where everyone can thrive. For Richard, this is not only about enabling JLL to take actions that create positive impacts today, but also about being a responsible corporate citizen. JLL, a company who shapes the future of real estate for a better world, is a perfect fit for him. In addition to his day job, Richard serves as the secretary at the Huge Partnership, an educational charity in Uganda. Richard is also committed, and I'm not sure if you realize this or not, Richard, to be my mentor on cricket versus baseball on that analogy uh, <laughs> to give you the guidance there. So we appreciate having you on, Richard. We're very happy, very happy on that score. Yeah. Okay, so let's get started in the conversation. JLL is a Fortune 500 company with operations in over 80 countries and a global workforce of more than 93,000. Last year, JLL leapt up the rankings of the prestigious Fortune 500 by 167 spots to the number 189 position on that list. To get started, what else should our audience know about JLL? And then beyond that, how would you describe the traditional core business of JLL? So I suppose over the years, and we've, we're a company that uh, was originally created as a firm of map makers back in 1760. So we've been around for a while. But our traditional expertise is addressing the whole life cycle of a building from its design, its planning, through to its construction, possibly finance, occupation, management, refurbishment, and subsequently sale. And then when it's reached the end of its economic life, we, uh, we rebuild it again. And we pr- we're a service provider to our clients. We do not use our own money doing this, but we are a service consultancy to clients. Wonderful. How is the landscape changing for this core business? And, and I guess maybe more importantly, why, why is the landscape changing for that core business? The, the business as a whole is getting far more diverse Uh, In the old days, we would have been taking on just real estate people. It is far more diverse now with financial analysts, sustainability experts, and tech. Tech is the biggest change. We're not even sure who our key disruptors are going to be as we look forward, but technology is going to be one of them. Our CEO back in, this would have been back in 2012, 2013. I remember him when he was only at that stage uh, looking after the EMEA side of the business. But he was saying then, back in 2012, that he wanted JLL to be, instead of being a real estate company that utilized technology, he wanted us to be a technology company that worked in the real estate industry. Technology is the key driver. If If we have a problem, the solution first place we look is technology. Change is often driven by or highlighted by what we refer to frequently in this program as macro trends, you know, the reasons behind it. Uh, many are percolating right now in commercial real estate. And I was, I was going to bring a couple of them up to you to, to get your opinion on them. And I figured I'd start with one that's a familiar one, maybe so familiar that it's it's embedded into business principles now and, and not so much of a macro trend. But um, Richard, I've got a two-part question for you. The first is really, how do you define sustainability? Um, and then the second would be, why does it matter to JLL? So maybe we could start with just how do you define sustainability? 
Uh, it's a pretty broad definition. I was talking to a client earlier on today, and they were trying to identify it as environmental, and of course it's so much yep. so much wider than that. The sustainability for us covers, uh, you, it's sort of synonymous with ESG, environmental, social governance, is, is another heading for it. Um, we, we set up our own sustainability program. It's headed Building a Better Tomorrow, and that covers it under four separate headings. Obviously, we have to be focused on our clients is one, what we can do there because we have huge impact. Yep. But the other three pillars are headed under our people, our workplace, and also community engagement. And that covers all areas that we're engaged in. And I, I think sustainability is everything that we do. And when we talk about sustainability in a bit with previously talking about technology, sustainability is going to be embedded in our culture, in our DNA as we go forward, because I think it is going to be embedded in the future of real estate. I, I would agree with that completely. And I have some thoughts on that. And Richard, I'm, I'm happy that you beat me to uh, the idea of talking about ESG initiatives, environmental, social and governments, because this is a term that I've heard of a lot more frequently. You know, we talk about macro trends in the last few years, and it is very supplemental to sustainability because it is more overarching than just, um, you know, efficiency and, and, and trying to be, you know, quote unquote green and sort of a dual mandate for businesses that are extra financial. It's not just about um, delivering that uh, traditional bottom line. We also need to be responsible in our corporate culture and ethics, government and sustainability. Part of that is because it's just good business. And part of that is because consumers are demanding it. A lot of the con consumer base might say, I like your coffee, but where do the beans come from? Right. Or I like your rideshare service, but what are your emissions? These questions are being asked. It becomes more and more important. Is this something that you're seeing your customers bring to you uh, more frequently? Yes, in respect of our customers, in our case, our clients are very definitely demanding it of us. And so we are widening our sustainability service product group in order to give the services to our clients that they're demanding. But I have to say there's a top and bottom piece to this as well. At the top, and this is where ESG, you're saying you're hearing more about it. I think we're hearing more about it because our shareholders are very definitely asking us the question. ESG is the parlance that the shareholder community, the investors are using, and it's no longer a matter of ticking a box. Yes, they do sustainability. Yes, they do ESG. They are now interested in what we're actually doing. They're looking to see what potential impact we're having about the actions that we're taking. So I think on one side, shareholders are using the terminology of ESG. Shareholders are asking us the questions. And for those companies who are not reacting to that, then they will have problems as they go forward. But I think you also need to understand from the bottom that we are recruiting from millenn uh, the, the millenniums. We're also mm -hmm. so Y Gen. We're also recruiting Z Gen now coming into the workplace. Those people demand to see our sustainability credentials. So we have to have them in order to attract and subsequently to retain. So there's no facade about this. You have to own it. You have to believe it. I, from Shandra Electric's perspective, uh, we measure sustainability impact, you know, from that top down that you were mentioning um, in five pillars like climate, circular economy, yep. health and equity, ethics and development. You have to prove that now um, exactly like you said with the shareholders. So we're in complete accordance there. I thought that was a fantastic answer. And then also 
being cognizant of folks like myself and the millennial demographic and the, you know, the, the, the folks behind me um, and the things that they'll be demanding. I think it's just a, a fascinating conversation for where we are in, in commercial real estate and, and just big business in general. I agree. Wonderful. Um, even just in those sustainability impact measurements I just recorded was was the circular economy and you know even things like modularization um, are big kind of macro trends right now in commercial real estate. What kind of thoughts do you have on on modularization in in the circular economy? When we look at modular design, I think it's more easily transferable into a low rise residential or low-rise uh, out-of-town office type market rather than city center. But that's just how tr- true new modular design. Uh, and there are some great examples of, of both rather than so high-rise, so to speak. Um, that is not that you can't use modular principles in its, in its overall design. I suppose we get more engaged on the internal fit-out of buildings and we have our, our own contractor units who are who are doing that as well as we we, we manage uh, subcontractors as well but on both of those it's all in the design not just of the design of the partitions you're putting up the ceiling tiles the carpet tiles it's also on the glue that you're going to be using because some glues historically you cannot reuse the carpet tiles yep. if you've used a certain type of uh, certain type of glue so i think it applies to everything that goes goes into it but i think even circularity isn't just about you know, circularity does come back to trying to save waste going to landfill. We are in the process here in London at the moment. We're looking for a building of about 180,000 square feet, and we haven't revealed where we're going to go, but we've taken a bit of time trying to find the right building because we are looking for an existing building so that we do not take on the embodied carbon. And if we can take an existing building, nothing, nothing's going to go off to landfill. There will be no waste because it will still be standing and we'll be using it. And so there's lots of good reasons for us taking that on. We'll be using secondhand furniture going inside it. So with a whole view is we are reducing waste to landfill. And that is that whole circular argument of trying to reuse and reuse. Minimize. Make to amend, as we used to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you say make to amend? Make do and mend. Mm. It's a sort of Second World War slogan. I wasn't around, don't worry, but it was what they used to shout in those days. All right, cool. Maybe that's what we named this episode. Who knows? I, I love terminology like that. That's, uh, fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a really great trend. Uh, anytime we're talking about... Um, minimization and optimization. And, and I just love that that's where the building industry is headed. Ultimately, what our companies do is about buildings, which is about occupants and the people within them, right? It's, it, it's where we're all spending our time. And that's what commercial real estate is all about is, is the people in the building. So healthy buildings is another one that I know JLL has been pioneering for a long time. So uh, what can you tell our audience about healthy buildings? Well, healthy buildings are better for the workforce. We, we we might talk about carbon later on, so building accreditation, lead, Brian, that sort of thing. Yep. But there's also a Wells certification, and we are heavily into having our buildings well classi- uh, classified or credited. And for all of the new space that we're, we're taking on now, especially our major headquarter accommodation is going to be well accredited. I think I should also say why. Why are green buildings better for the workforce? Sure. We've just finished a study that we've done with Harvard, which is trying to work out the impact of green buildings on cognitive function. And 
we sort of supplied our buildings and our clients' buildings around the world in order to assess, and Harvard have done all the clever stuff. And they are coming up with the conclusion from that, the headline figure, is that green buildings, however it's defined, we'll need to see the report, green buildings are 26% more efficient from a cognitive perspective than non-green buildings. So we've actually got the facts now to prove it. Everybody knew it, but there's data now to support that. So that's what we want for our people. That's what our clients want for their people too. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about commercial real estate, People are there to provide services and work. And if you can get 26% more productivity out of them versus the baseline, that's just good business. Um, and that's yeah, through, exactly. you know, green and healthy and, and through things like, well, and there's also that bottom up perspective that you talked about before, where if I'm looking to, you know, be an employee somewhere and one building is green and healthy and the other one is not, and all things are equal otherwise, that's going to have my attention, right? So I, I think it's a it's an excellent movement that you guys have been at the head of for a long time. It, I suppose this is the fourth driver. I was talking about shareholders, clients, or customers, and uh, our people. But we have to react to statutory requirement legislation, and it is fantastic that in the absence of other direction that cities and states are taking that on. Elsewhere in the world, there is legislation that is that, that, are, that, is, that are forcing people to react in the real estate world. And if you look at somewhere like Australia or the UK, if buildings do not have a certain environmental or if they are leaking energy unnecessarily and all of our buildings are graded um, a little bit like a fridge or a freezer or a washing machine as to how efficient they are all of our buildings are graded and if you're in the bottom couple of categories you are not able to occupy it so you can wait until the current occupants leave but then you have to either retrofit it or knock it down and rebuild it in another fashion but it becomes then unusable so massive when you're looking at future proofing portfolios for landlords um, and investors in property. And there will be more of it, not less, as we go forward. And we're not we're not just talking about the fabric of the buildings either. I mean, right. cities are now controlling in a sustainable fashion transport nodes. That, that The whole layout of cities is changing, demanding that there's green space in, in, internally, insisting that uh, workplaces are alongside transport nodes. So it's there's some fantastic work going on at a city level around the world. Um, C40, which is um, a charity uh, or an NGO supported by Bloomberg, is doing some great work on this around the world. Yes. And I also don't want to discount the work that your companies are doing. There's really interesting stuff. And that's why you're on here to talk about sustainability with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but there's some good, good people out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Richard, I mean, you've... Including you've, Schneider. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um we like to think so. I'm proud to I'm proud to be there uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, you've alluded a couple times, Richard, uh, to building a better tomorrow, and it is one of the reasons that we reached out to you in the first place is just this really cool mission. And you know, I was I was wondering, at, you know, at this point in the conversation, we might be able to expound a little bit deeper into those four pillars, just to talk about you know how the JLL corporate culture has embraced this entirely changing landscape and and really where you aim to go in the future. Maybe we could walk through each of those just a little bit now. I know that there it's clients, people, workplaces, and communities. Um, maybe your yep. vision on why that's so important and, and, and where it's going for you. Okay. JLL has a purpose, a yep. stated purpose. 
We, our purpose is to shape the future of real estate for a better world. That is our purpose. We're not calling it a social purpose, but that is the purpose we've defined for JLL. And our Building a Better Tomorrow program is all about trying to shape for a better world tomorrow. And so they're inextricably linked. The program that we've got in place, in respect of our clients, it is to train our people in order to be able to advise our clients better in all things sustainable. Okay. It's to actually have the data, the information. We have a sustainability university that our people can rely upon to train themselves up in order to better advise our clients. So that is the essence of the client piece, as well as providing the sustainability services and help them reduce their own uh, carbon emissions, which is part and parcel of our own science-based targets. So that is the client pillar. Within the people pillar, we, we cover our people and right at the top of the agenda is 50-50 uh, gender equality within our within our leadership. Those targets for beyond 2020 are focusing, as I say, on gender, focusing on diversity, and also we're talking about retention earlier on. Yep. Um, and re retention is absolutely crucial because it is a huge bottom line saving if you can get that right. And it sort of wraps up with the rest of the program. I think if if the whole program is working, then retention is obviously going to be improved. So that's the people side. We've also got health and safety sitting in there as well, where we have separate targets for health and safety. So each of these areas have got their own separate targets that are open to the public or revealed in our sustainability report. The workplace pillar is probably where the heavy lift is. That for us is a 75% reduction in our carbon emissions, which we would achieve through operational improvements to our buildings, which aligned to that is accreditation of our buildings, lead well. Yep. Uh, it will also be in our scope one emissions. It will be by moving all of our vehicles, these are white vans, mobile engineers, through to electric vehicles by 2035. Oh. Wow. It will also, and in Europe, um, we've already made the decision to move the whole of the European fleet by 2025. So that is really moving at a pace now. And so that's the electric vehicle piece. And then the third element is moving through to 100% uh, renewable energy um, procurement wherever we can get it by 2035. And then we'll mop up whatever we can't get through renewable energy certificates. And that will take us to our 75%. That pathway is with uh, science-based target initiative at the moment. On top of that, there's uh, within the science-based target initiative, there's also a scope three emission target. This is where we have to work with our clients to help them reduce their emissions. And that piece of the jigsaw is helping them reduce by 2% per annum over the next 15 years. And uh, we have plans in place to uh, work with our top 50 clients because that makes up the bulk of our clients' emissions um, going forward. There's also other targets in respect to procurement, uh, our sustainability procurement framework, air travel, etc. You told us this. You told us that this pillar was the heavy lift. There's a lot going on in that one for sure. It's great to see there such is clear goals and there is and big goals. Yep. Yeah, ridding ourselves of plastics as well. I don't know how um, anybody else is doing on that, but we're implementing uh, 
strategies for re uh, getting rid of single-use plastic. The fourth pillar is community. That's where we've made commitments for volunteering. All of our community projects are tied in with six SDGs, those that are most material to JLL. And we've also committed to 1% net profit charitable donations underwritten by the GEB. So that's all coming in. Uh, interestingly, when I was um, uh, on the community side, I was uh, doing a bit of work for another client that happened to be in Canada. And we were talking about uh, supplier diversity. And we, because they were looking at indigenous um, populations in, in Canada, and I was looking at our procurement teams, and we have done a huge amount of work on supplier diversity and procurement for Schneider in Australia. Wow. And that was wholly coincidental, but I've got a deck in front of me looking at how we presented to Schneider on, uh, on that very topic. So we are engaged massively on that, uh, on that community side with Indigenous uh, populations as well. Oh, we'll have to share that out with our audience afterwards, for sure. Every time that very we, happy that to we do, do so. that's, that's, and I love how your pillars, you've got the second one about engaging your people and the fourth about communities. Again, this is all, all of this is about making the world better for people. And, you know, your first pillar is, is something that I believe Schneider and, and JLL are, are always trying to do is provide that lasting value for clients, but there's a lot more um, sustainability embedded in that. And you were modest, you didn't mention this, but um, JLL has been on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index for four straight years, uh, which is really, really worth mentioning on your all's part. Um, and then, of course, uh, transforming our workplaces. Um, Schneider was uh, fortunate to have the opportunity to install our ecostructure IoT architecture at, at one of your um, your new offices in Singapore. Um, so it's another great example of where we've been able to work with one another and a lot that I can report also in the notes of this about some of the things that Schneider's doing to accelerate their carbon neutrality and things like that. But there's just so much good stuff in there. So I really appreciate you taking the time to explain building a better tomorrow uh, because I think it's it's beneficial for all of us. Um, um, I'm personally honored to speak with 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 you and, and just people who are so weaved into this process and partners to Schneider. Um, I'm very excited to spread this message with you all moving forward. So thanks again for joining. Um, do you have any final thoughts to leave us with? And, and, and maybe somewhere our audience can go to learn more uh, about building a better tomorrow. Perhaps my final thought is this is the way forward. I think we know how urgent some of these issues are to address. We're not going to do it on our own. This sort of transparency, this sort of non-competitive cooperation, I believe, is the way forward. And if more of us could do this, if more of us can learn, more of this can only be a good thing. Awesome. That's a very inspirational note to leave us on. I appreciate you joining us, Richard. Uh, like I said, it's just been a privilege to have you to discuss things like sustainability, ESG initiatives, circular design, healthy buildings, uh, climate regulation, all sorts of things uh, as they relate to the fascinating world of commercial real estate. It was inspiring to learn about JLL's initiatives around building a better tomorrow. We must all work together, as Richard says, to build a more digital, sustainable and electric future. Remember, by 2040, global energy consumption will grow 25% over today. At the same time, by 2030, we must collectively find a way to drop global CO2 emissions by almost half from today's numbers. Let's make it happen in commercial real estate. Let's make it happen with each other. And let's continue to share the critical discussions in the next story up.